Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. The Bible is the single most important book in history. It is the very words of God put on paper. In this podcast, we will walk through the pages of His Word as we seek to understand His message to us. In Isaiah 55:11, God says, My word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. As we study His Word, He will accomplish within us what He desires. That is our prayer. That is the journey. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to this week's episode of Journey Through the Bible. This is episode 6. We are continuing our journey through Matthew. Uh, Last episode, we uh, spent some time in Matthew chapter 4 in the passage of Jesus calling his disciples to follow me. And as a result, we also went over to Matthew chapter 16 and Mark chapter 8 uh, to give us the framework needed to uh, to kind of walk through what it means uh, to follow me and what Jesus was saying here. We're going to continue that thought this week of walking through what Jesus meant when he said, follow me, and what Jesus means when he still uh, gives out that call today to follow me. So we're going to be back in Matthew chapter 16 and Mark chapter 8. So I'm just going to read those uh, passages again. And then we'll uh, we'll dive right back into uh, these command this command that Jesus gave us uh, to follow me. So Matthew 16, verse 24 through 27, says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Mark chapter 8 verse 34 uh, through 38 uh, says very similar, but then at the end uh, it says this at the end in verse 38, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Last episode, we talked about the call that Jesus makes to every one of us, that is to follow him. And he lays down the criteria, the the ultimatum for us here in the text. If we desire to come after him, we must do three things. Deny ourselves, carry our cross, and follow me. Now, denying ourselves, as we talked about last week, This is not a self-restraining behavior modification that Jesus is looking for here. This is a complete abandonment, rejection, turning away from our tendency of living for ourselves. It is my new nature in Christ rejecting my old nature from which I was saved. And while this is an essential part of the equation that Jesus is giving us, and while it is a critical part to our lives, abandoning our will, our desires, control of our very existence up to God, It's not where our focus should remain. Our focus is not on what we are denying, but on who we are following. Now this week, uh, we're going to dive into the second part of what Jesus is saying and the third part. The second part is, is this. We must take up our cross. We must carry our cross. Now when we think of that in terms that we understand today, uh, it brings us good feelings. We, we We look at the cross and... 
We see love. We see sacrifice. We see commitment. We see hope. Because that is uh, what the cross of Christ means for us. Right? It means that God so loved the world. It means that because of what Jesus did on the cross, I have hope of an eternity with him. A lot of times also when we use the term carrier cross, in today's vernacular, we're meaning the hassles and the headaches of life, the fly in the ointment, the pain in the neck. Right? We just, oh, this is, just, this is my cross to bear. Right? We use that terminology. But when Jesus was calling us to take up our cross, when Jesus is calling us to carry our cross, he's not meaning to just deal with the headaches of life. He's not calling us to just simply tolerate the fly in the ointment or the pain in the neck. No, he is calling us to so much more. Jesus, throughout his ministry on earth, he liked to use metaphors to help his audience understand what he was saying. Majority of the parables that he uh, he speaks um, used metaphors. He used farming language in an agrarian culture to teach kingdom principles. He took the human experience to help us understand spiritual truths. For example, the bride and groom language that we see often in Jesus' teaching helps us understand how excited he is about coming back to get us. He uses the love of a father for a child to help us understand God's love for us. He uses language throughout, uh, the, throughout scripture of the wings of a bird protecting its young to help us understand how God protects us. He even uses merchant language uh, as in the parable of the pearl of great price, to help us understand the inestimable value of the kingdom of God. He likens us to salt and light to help us understand what kind of impact we should have on the world. This is exactly what Jesus is doing here in the text. You see, carrying a cross was not an established Jewish, me Jewish metaphor, but it would have been one the people Jesus was talking to would have understood. It would not have produced warm fuzzy feelings, but they would have understood it. You see, they were under Roman occupation, so the sight of convicted criminals carrying their cross would have been something with which everyone would have been familiar. So what I want to do here is just to, what, what would the Jewish people have thought about in that day when they heard the term, take up your cross? What would they have thought about? Well, there's a couple things, and, and one, and perhaps most obvious, is that a cross was a place of death. It was a place of death. When a person was carrying his cross, he was carrying it to a place where he would lose his life. And so when Jesus here is calling us, hey, deny yourself and take up your cross, he is calling us to die to ourselves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously said, when, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And this is the essence of what we talked about last week in, in the thought of denying ourself. This just kind of takes it up a notch. Deny yourself. Die to yourself. Galatians 5.24 says this, And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We talked about that last week. right? How denying ourself it's denying us the, the passions, the desires, our will, our control. Right? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 6 and 6 says this, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So when we hear Jesus here in Matthew and again in Mark uh, calling us to deny ourselves and take up your cross, he is calling us to put to death the works of the flesh. He is calling us to put to death the desires and the wills of our fleshly nature, of the nature that wars against God. Put those to death because we can't have those working within us to follow him. We must allow the Holy Spirit to come in and work in us in the new man, in the life that Christ gives us. So they would, under, they would have understood, the Jewish people would have understood when Jesus said, take up your cross, it was a place of death. Well, they also would have understood that a cross was a heavy thing. A convicted criminal of the day would be required to carry the cross beam to the place of execution. This beam would typically weigh around 100 pounds. Not that it would be practical for a condemned man to carry anything else, but even if he wanted to, it would not be practical. And so when Jesus is calling us to take up your cross, carry your cross, there's this sense of if I do that, if I listen to the words of Christ, I can't carry other things along with it. If I take up my cross, I am singularly focused. And that is, I am focused on this task. So what is Jesus saying to us when he calls us to carry our cross? Is it possible that Jesus was calling us to be laser focused on following him? Carry your cross so that you can keep your eyes on me, Jesus was saying. Carry your cross so that you don't have the ability to carry things with you that you shouldn't be carrying. You see, if I'm carrying my cross and my focus is laser focused on following Jesus, I don't have room to carry around unforgiveness. If I'm carrying my cross, I don't have room to carry around hurt, to carry around anger, to carry around anxiety, to carry around all these things that, that so easily attach themselves to us. Right? Jesus is calling us to take up our cross. And when we do so, we don't have room for all those other things. Luke 10 and 4. Jesus in Luke chapter 10 is sending his followers out to essentially evangelize certain communities. And he gives them some very specific instructions on what to do and what not to do and where to go and how to, how to approach. And one of the things he says in Luke 10 verse 4 is this. He says, carry no money belt. No bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. What was he saying? He was telling them, don't be burdened down. Don't be weighed down with unnecessary things. That, that, that truth holds over in what Jesus is telling us here in Matthew 16. Right? To deny ourselves, to take up our cross. You don't have room for other things. You don't have space for other things. Is it wrong to think that Jesus wants us free of burden so we can obey his command to go? You see, at first glance, this thought of taking up our cross may seem like a burden to bear. But when we really understand what Jesus was saying, we understand he was telling us to be laser focused on following him. 
Because in Matthew 11, 28-29, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Right, So we understand that when Jesus is saying, Take up your cross, he's not giving us some uh, inestimable burden. Jesus is telling us that the weight that we all feel so often, he wants to carry it for us so our focus can be in the right place, and that is following him. Something else that the Jewish people of the day would have understood when, uh, when, when Jesus told them to carry or to take up their cross is that the cross was a thing of submission. A cross brought to mind the sight of a condemned man who was forced to demonstrate his submission to Rome by carrying part of his cross through the city to his place of execution. Thus, to take up one's cross was to demonstrate publicly one's submission or one's obedience to authority against which he had previously rebelled. Now, what is Jesus saying for us? What, what, what do we get from this? What do we, what do we grasp from this? Well, what a sight for the world to see that we who were once enemies of God, we who were once alienated from him, blindly following our own devices, we were rebelling against the law of God. But now we are submitting to his lordship. Now we are bowing to his sovereignty. Now we are placing ourselves under the authority of the one against whom we once rebelled. When we take up our cross, we are announcing to the world that I once was a sinner, but now I am a follower of Jesus. Once I was in rebellion to God, but now I submit myself to him. That's what it means to take up our cross. Another thing that the Jewish people would have understood is that the cross was an inconvenient thing. It restricted what people could do and where they could go. It kept them on one path, and that was towards their destination. When I'm carrying my cross, I'm not going to be able to go wherever I want to go. But I'm carrying my cross, and that puts me on the path to one place, and that's my destination. I said it in one way earlier, but let me say it this way. If I'm carrying my cross, I'm not going to be able to fit through certain doors. Doors of unforgiveness, of anger, of sinful living. Because I'm taking up the cross of Christ. But how do we do this? Right? We see that the cross is a heavy thing. It's a thing of submission. It's an inconvenient thing. It's a place of death. How do we do that? Well, notice how it is built upon the first command. When we are self-absorbed, something as painful, as sacrificial, as demanding as carrying a cross does not make sense to me. But when we are focused on following Him, it becomes a matter of doing whatever He asks, whatever He desires of us. This is what it means to follow Jesus. He started with denying ourselves, right? But, but then He jumps off the deep and not only must we deny ourselves, but now we must pick up the very thing that will be the implementation of our death. Now, I want to reiterate something I said at the beginning. To take up your cross is not 
oh, I have this inconvenience in my life. It's my cross to bear. It's not Jesus telling us to be patient about the hassles and headaches of life. What Jesus is saying is that if we want to follow him, any vestige of self, of us being in control, of us following our own will, of us living life for our own benefit, must be done away with. How do we accomplish that? We do it by focusing on the last part of his command. That is, follow me. If anyone desires to come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There's an old song used to sing growing up. The lyrics, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. This is the essence of how this command is accomplished. As we look to Jesus, the the first two aspects of this command become natural. If we look to Jesus, our desires are going to change from our selfish, self-seeking ways to submission to his lordship. We look to Jesus and the things which used to satisfy us can't do so anymore because we've seen the beauty of his glory. Over in the book of Philippians, Paul ruminates on this thought in verse 8 through 11. In Philippians 3, chapter 3, verse 8, the first part, it says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I count everything as loss. Notice how this language Paul is using pairs with the commands of Jesus to deny ourselves, to carry our cross, to make it about him, to remove ourselves from the picture of importance. We can do this because we realize who Jesus is. We understand that to know Jesus is the ultimate prize of eternity. We grasp the insurmountable glory of just one moment in his presence. We realize the all-encompassing worth of his person. And in light of these recognitions, we understand that all else pales in comparison to the beauty of Jesus. All else fails to measure up to his glory. I am able to count all things as loss because I have gained what is most precious. I am able to ignore the calls and the whims and the desires of the flesh because I have my eyes on the highest prize, and that is Jesus. Paul continues in Philippians 3, uh, verse 8, the latter part. He says, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I'm not counting what I have lost. I'm counting who I have gained. I want us to remember from last episode, the Greek tenses we talked about in regards to the words, deny yourself and follow me. The Greek tenses here puts our effort and continuing attention on the follow me passage. And I can do that because I realize what I have gained. Paul continues in Philippians 3, verse 9 and 11 through 11. He says, and be found in him. So for his sake, back in verse 8, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. It's not my righteousness, Paul is saying, but it's the righteousness in Christ. 
in the verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I like how the Amplified Version says uh, that verse, uh, verse 11. It says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. You see, the goal is to know him. The end game is to know him. Our focus is to know him. Our ambition is to know him. Our intention is to know him. Our purpose is to know him. Our existence is wrapped up in one thing, and that is to know him. Our focus is on following him, and that does require a denial of our flesh and its desires, and it will demand us to carry our cross. But it is all so that we can, with all that is within us, run after the king of the universe and have the eternal pleasure of knowing him. That is what gives reason for us to deny ourselves. That is what gives us the ability to carry our cross. We are looking towards the prize, and that is Jesus. And that is eternally enjoying his presence. And that is why I'm going to spend every day of my life following him. It is my continued desire that this is a blessing to you, that you're learning something, that we're just able to dive into the Word of God uh, together. I ask if this is something that you enjoyed, go ahead and share it on any of your social media channels. Rate it if, oh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or wh- however you're listening. Uh, that helps get the word out. And uh, my desire, again, is for, for God to, uh, to bless His people and bless people through the uh, dissemination of His Word. Have a great week, guys. God bless.